Make sure you're subscribed to Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit that subscribe button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. This sets in motion a sequence of events. It's likely to culminate in the removal of tax-exempt status from religious institutions. Religious institutions in particular that harbor or share a religious belief about the definition of same uh, about the definition of marriage and uh, whether they accept same-sex marriage it should never be conditioned on the basis of the acceptance of government orthodoxy or of a particular religious orthodoxy this is what this bill does it sets that in motion this is smoke and mirrors the shell game a shell game that ends in the destruction and uh, erosion, but ultimate destruction of religious liberty in America. We can't have that. That's Utah Senator and Mormon Mike Lee speaking about the Respect for Marriage Act passed yesterday in the U.S. Senate. He was kind of a lone voice among his fellow Mormon lawmakers, Mitt Romney and four other representatives of Utah who had earlier in the summer voted for a very similar bill in the House and against his church that only one day earlier had issued a statement saying that the LDS organization supports the Respect for Marriage Act. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in live on this Thursday afternoon, the 17th of November. We're going to talk about the Mormon Church's support for a homosexual marriage bill. Bill McKeever of Mormonism Research Ministry will be our guest. Cheryl Magnus will bring us some tips for celebrating Thanksgiving. Pastor David Peterson continues our series on the difficult sayings of Jesus. We'll be in John chapter 10 where Jesus claims, I am the Son of God, and he quotes a passage of the Old Testament saying, you are gods. Then Shane Rosenthal will join us for a conversation on faith, evidence, and skepticism. He's the creator, host, producer of the new podcast, The Humble Skeptic. Joining us to discuss the Mormon Church's support for a homosexual marriage bill, Bill McKeever. He's founder of Mormonism Research Ministry based in Draper, Utah, and author of several books, including In Their Own Words, a collection of Mormon quotations and Mormonism 101. Bill, welcome back. Good to be with you, Todd. Personally, I am mystified. Were you surprised that the Latter-day Saints came out in favor of the Respect for Marriage Act? I have to say that I was quite surprised, mainly because I cannot see any reason why the church had to do this. I mean, why just not let it lie? Keep on going, saying what you're saying regarding your position when it comes to marriage. And the LDS Church has for many, many years, made it very firm that they believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. And they're not changing now. That's what makes this thing also confusing, I think, at least in perception. So I was wondering why in the world did they put themselves in this position? It doesn't seem like it was a very wise decision. And yeah, I guess I am mystified. <laughs> the Salt Lake City Tribune is citing press releases, but do we know internally how the Mormons came to this decision? Well, the Mormon Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is definitely hierarchical. And the final voice when it comes to the direction of the church would be the president, the prophet, seer, and revelator of the church, which, of course, right now is Russell M. Nelson. I cannot imagine something this big being done without his notice, he had to have signed off on this. And I only say that because that's just traditionally how things are normally done in the church on a level like this. If it was a local level, 
oh yeah, you could get away with the bishop or maybe even the stake president making a decision and Nelson would probably never know. But something like this that's going to cause worldwide attention, I can't imagine going through without Russell M. Nelson's notice. So do we know what the reasoning is here? Not the why, but the kind of the theological justification that they have put forward? Well, I certainly don't understand any theological reason for them to do it, because as I said, the church has always maintained the position that marriage is between a man and a woman, and their history shows that they have been very critical of any other type of situation regarding marriage. I can see more on a social way because, well, let's be serious. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, for much of its history, has worshipped at the altar of public relations. They have a problem right now in their church with a lot of their younger members in particular who are not real happy about the position that the church has had, has right now, and as we see from this article in the Salt Lake Tribune, will continue to have. Because the article makes it very clear that the church has no intention of changing its view regarding marriage between a man and a woman. This is why I'm a little bit confused by some of the reactions by people who are watching the church on this issue. And the article actually included some of the people that made some comments thinking, for instance, Troy Williams, who's the executive director of Equality Utah, it cites him as saying he was heartened to see the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints publicly take this stance today. You have to ask yourself, why is he heartened? What does he think they did other than they got behind a bill that is supposed to codify same-sex marriage? Now, do I think that's an inconsistency on the part of the LDS church, given the position that the church has on marriage? Yes, I think it's very inconsistent. Why would you encourage a bill that is also encouraging a behavior that you find fault with. That doesn't make any sense to me. But this person, Troy Williams, to think that this is something very positive and that they're actually moving in some kind of right direction as he perceives it, what does he know that nobody else seems to know? What is he reading into this that well, I guess I could say that I'm not reading into it. I don't think it was wise. I think it sends out a very confusing message. And the way it's being perceived by at least some of the people that were interviewed for this article by Peggy Fletcher Stack and Tamara Kemsley in the Salt Lake Tribune, I'm wondering if the church expected that kind of reaction. Maybe they did. It just seems odd because now they're going to have to ramp up their public relations department and start making some clarifications because I know for a fact just by this article here and also by other comments that I've personally heard that the church is reversing its position when it comes to same-sex marriage. And I'm not reading that at this point. So it's not like they don't have a very public track record. I'm thinking about, was it Prop C in California? They, as a church body, for lack of a better word, have a long track record of legally and socially opposing things just like this. What was their position up to this point? Well, their position, not only up to this, but at this moment right now, the church has two manuals published by their 
correlation department. And I might add that the correlation department that is behind the publication of church manuals, they are there supposedly to put in their manuals what the LDS leadership considers to be pure doctrine. And if you look at the True to the Faith manual, True to the Faith, a gospel reference, this came out in 2004. It's no longer available in hard copy, but it is available in digital form. It says on page 30 and 31, like other violations of the law of chastity, homosexual activity is a serious sin. It is contrary to the purposes of human sexuality. It distorts loving relationships and prevents people from receiving the blessings that can be found in family life and the saving ordinances of the gospel. And then you have another manual called Gospel Principles, which was last revised in 2009. On page 227, it says, like other violations of the law of chastity, homosexual behavior is a serious sin. Sounds very much what it says in the other manual. So they are repeating their position here that this behavior is considered a sin, but yet at the same time, they're throwing their weight behind a bill that seems to promote and protect people living in that sin. It doesn't sound very pastoral to me. I guess that's where I'm kind of going with my confusion here. I think they're being very inconsistent and confusing. And it's not as though marriage is a minor issue in their theology. Marriage kind of stands at the very center of their entire view of the cosmos and the, their theology. You're right. And there have been leaders that have basically come out and said that the marriage of a man and a woman is absolutely essential when it comes to the salvation or exaltation, as they would understand this, for that couple. You must be married in a temple for time and eternity if you hope to be in that marriage relationship in the hereafter if you qualify for celestial exaltation. It's absolutely essential because they feel that they are repeating a process that has been going on since eternity past. They don't have a God who's the primary cause of all things. They just naturally assume that there were always gods and there were always worlds and there was always this priesthood authority and there was always law. But what they are hoping to do is join in a marriage that will last for eternity. Then should both people in that couple be qualified for exaltation, they will get their own world, the man will have the ability to organize his own world and populate that planet or world, just like they believe their God, the one they call Heavenly Father or Elohim, is populating this world. You can't do that in a same-sex relationship. It doesn't work that way. And this is why I think a lot of leaders have been critical of this and have not been supportive because it seems to undermine one of the very foundations of their view of salvation. So again, how is the LDS Church Public Relations Department going to explain this to some of its members who are perceiving the church to changing its position or perhaps going to change its position with, I don't think they are. Quite honestly, Todd, I don't think they are, at least not in my lifetime, because for one, I don't know how they could change it. This is not like the revelation of 1978 where they allowed members of African heritage to have the priesthood. That can be kind of a retroactive thing you can imagine. 
But when it comes to this, how are they going to do that? Especially since they think that things in heaven operate just the same as they operate here on earth. That's why they feel their God is married. Their God must be married to heavenly mother or a bunch of heavenly mothers, depending on which leader you talk to, because that's the way procreation works. And they relate that in the hereafter as well. So I I don't know how this is going to be perceived by a lot of members. I think the younger generation that are in favor of same-sex marriage, and there are a lot of Latter-day Saints that are, I think they're going to be happy by this news. I think some of the more conservative, perhaps older members of the church are going to wonder what is going on. But you know what I wonder, Todd? How is this going to affect their proselytizing efforts? Because most of their members are coming in now from outside of the United States. Many of their members are coming from South America. They're coming from Africa. And a lot of the people in these countries still hold very much to the traditional understanding of marriage between a man and a woman. If the perception starts getting out that maybe the church is changing or has changed, that could greatly hinder their proselytizing efforts in these areas. Bill McKeever is our guest. We're talking about the Mormon Church's support for a homosexual marriage bill. When we return, a little more detail on how he thinks the average Mormon is going to react. Thanks to our beloved on-demand listeners, Issues Etc. consistently ranks among the top podcasts in religion and spirituality. You can help us climb the charts by subscribing, rating, and reviewing Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us cast Christ's net on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. We know that you want to build your family on the right foundation from the very start, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Concordia Publishing House offers more than 8,000 products for churches, schools, and homes, dedicated customer service, and an experienced staff to help you focus on what matters most. Click to connect at cph.org. Concordia Publishing House, listening, responding, providing for God's people. Concordia Publishing House, cph.org. Defending the faith, teaching the truth. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press is a family-run publisher of classical Christian education materials for homeschools and private schools. Every page of the Memoria Press curriculum leads students to a mastery of content, an understanding of the classical heritage of the Christian West, and an appreciation of truth, goodness, and beauty. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. memoriapress.com As we prepare for the Advent season this year, it's time for some contemplation. Your Christmas are from the 80s. They're made of styrofoam, the glitter has dropped off, and they're being held together with toothpicks. Don't celebrate another Christmas hearkening back to the age of glitter balls. See Ad Crusom's beautifully designed Christmonds together with our book describing how they fit into the church here. Visit adcrusom.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. 
welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. We're talking about the Mormon Church's support for a homosexual marriage bill. Bill McKeever is our guest of Mormonism Research Ministry. So, Bill, you got into it a little bit before the break, but uh, in more detail, how do you think the average Mormon is going to react to this? So far, I'm not hearing a whole lot because this is pretty new, but I think the membership is going to react either on how they're hearing the media portray this as opposed to what the church is actually saying. I think the church is going to have to emphasize, probably more than it has in the past, that they still maintain that marriage is between a man and a woman that they are not changing their view on that. They're going to have to sell that idea and they're going to have to sell it hard. Is that going to satisfy a lot of members in their church that are very much in favor of same-sex marriage? I don't think so. I personally don't think so. I think the people that are on that side, they want to see absolute condoning of this relationship without qualification. I don't know if that's going to happen, certainly not in my lifetime, but it's going to be interesting to see how the membership starts reacting. And I'm with you, Todd. I'm kind of curious myself, and I'm just kind of sitting back and waiting to see. But in the meantime, I think it's important that we stress what the official position of the church is. And I don't want to twist or build a straw man on this article trying to make it sound like the church has changed its position, because I personally don't think they have. The Salt Lake City Tribune quotes Taylor Petrie, a religion professor at Michigan's Kalamazoo College, saying this move, quote, signals a major break with other members of the religious right. Do you agree? I think that remains to be seen. I'm sure that a lot of conservative Christians are going to be looking at this and probably asking the same question I'm asking. Why did you do this? You didn't have to. You put yourself in a very precarious situation, which is now going to force you to make some explanations, which, quite honestly, Todd, are not going to satisfy either side. See, that's the problem of stepping out into a quagmire like this. Now, how are you going to satisfy people on both sides of this fence? I think it's probably going to make a lot of conservative Christians wondering what they're doing and why they're doing it. I know this for a fact because I yesterday morning I had a, a pastor friend of mine write me and he kind of was under the impression that maybe the church was capitulating to marriage between a man and a woman because that's the perception that's going out there. It's not any fault of his. That's just the perception. And I think this article in the Salt Lake Tribune fed that perception. The Salt Lake City Tribune also noted that Utah's four House representatives, all Republicans, all Latter-day Saints, voted in favor of the act in the summer before the addition of recent amendments and exemptions for religious organizations. We should probably include Mitt Romney in this one as well. How should we understand this? Well, I don't think we should be too terribly surprised because in Utah, all of our representatives, our congressmen, as well as our senators are all members of the LDS church. Now, normally the church doesn't stick its nose in anything that smells like politics. But in this case, of course, they have. And I'm not totally surprised that these members would tend to go in the direction that they know their church is going. Mike Lee would be the exception. He is still kind of concerned about this, mainly because he's worried more about the protections for religious organizations when it comes to this. Even though there was inserted in this bill, 8404, 
protections, at least that's what they say at this point, there's protections for religious organizations who don't get on board with what this bill is trying to promote. So I'm not totally surprised in that area. I'm certainly not surprised at what Romney did. And I'm actually not surprised what Mike Lee did. Mike Lee is certainly much more conservative than Mitt Romney. But some of the other congressmen here, I would say out of the four congressmen that we have, I'm not totally surprised with at least two of them going in this direction. But the fact is, all four of them are on board with it. You have said repeatedly here that you don't think the church has changed its position on same-sex marriage, despite its action here, and that you don't think they will change. You don't see how they can change their position. Do you think Mormons will one day perform same-sex marriages in their temples? Well, that's a great question, because I think if you were to ask questions about other reversals that the church has done in its past, people probably would have said they never saw that coming. This one is a little bit different, because as I mentioned earlier, their view of heaven is all about procreation. And that's why I think it would be difficult for the church to change its position on that. And that's why I tend to to doubt it. Maybe they can come up with some other kind of provision that works for same-sex couples to end up in the celestial kingdom. Maybe they could do that. I don't know how at this point, but I would think that would be the only solution. They certainly couldn't do it based on their view of soteriology as it stands right now, because right now it's all about a man and a woman procreating throughout eternity. That's what most of the Latter-day Saints that I talk to are looking forward to in the next life. We can't ignore the fact that polygamy was, in the early days of Mormonism, a feature and not a bug in their theology. Do you see any connection here with the possibility, many people are saying that same-sex marriage, that the protections there very easily extend over polyamory and polygamy as well? You would think so. And this is what was kind of funny to me uh, when I'm reading some of these comments, at least from some of the people that were interviewed in this article. They're all talking about sending this huge message of uh, condoning all people. But yet in the article itself, it says the amendment also specified that the measure did not extend to polygamous marriages. I find that quite interesting because why would you exempt them? Why is it okay for this group, but not that group? That has always puzzled me, but I kind of understand why Latter-day Saints would be excited about that because they, well, I should say many of them are wanting to distance themselves from that polygamous path. They don't look at that as a positive thing. They don't like it brought up. They don't like it when you compare them to what we call out here the fundamentalist Mormon groups. They want to be separated from them. It's funny, though, because theologically, they share much more with these polygamous groups than they do with evangelicals, yet they want to cozy up to evangelicals and make it appear like they're not far away from us. They're much closer in theology to the polygamous groups. But yet the polygamous groups, polygamy was not mentioned as being protected by this. Have Christians lost an ally on the issue of same-sex marriage with this move by the Mormon Church? I would probably say they may be losing, but I don't think at this point they've lost. I think, again, it goes back to this was just an unwise decision 
on somebody in the LDS church. I guess the blame could be laid at the feet of Russell M. Nelson since he is the final authority. But I think it is going to send a confusing message to where some conservative Christians are going to wonder, should we trust the LDS church on this issue? So it could have done some damage in that area. But I think, again, we need to hold the LDS church accountable for what it actually and officially teaches on this subject. And if they change, hey, you'll be sure to be the first to hear from us about that. If Joseph Smith or Brigham Young were alive to see this move on the part of the church that they founded, what do you think they would think? Well, that's a great question, especially when you consider that Brigham Young and Joseph Smith, it's it's hard to argue against the fact that they were clearly heterosexual. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about that. I think, though, they would have gone along with what most people believed at that time. We know, for instance, that Brigham Young, certainly when it came to blacks and the priesthood, he was very much against that. That was, unfortunately, a part of our culture at that time. Things have changed. The church has changed. I think they probably would say that they would not be in favor of it. In fact, when I look at some of the very harsh comments that Spencer W. Kimball made in his book, The Miracle of Forgiveness, regarding homosexual behavior, I doubt very seriously that any marginal percentage in the church would have disagreed with what Kimball said at that time. And that was the late 60s. If you look at these manuals and what they say now, you would think that most Latter-day Saints, if they want to be faithful to the leadership in their church, would get in line and they would agree, for instance, with pages 30 and 31 of True to the Faith and page 227 of Gospel Principles. But it's an interesting time we're in right now. And you have a lot of people within the LDS church who are raising their voices in opposition, which tells me they really don't believe in their heart that God has placed these men to guide them as they've always been placed there to guide them since the church started. It seems like you're seeing many people in the LDS church becoming much more, I guess you could say like some nominal Catholics that don't see the authority of the Pope like they should be seeing the authority of the Pope if you're in that religious organization. We do hear voices of opposition. They're not supposed to do that, especially if they make it public, if they keep saying things publicly that embarrasses the church. They can be reprimanded. I haven't seen a lot of that recently. I have several years ago, but not so much recently. But it remains to be seen how the church is going to handle this. I'm kind of curious myself. I'm going to be watching to see how they are going to respond to a lot of the questions that come up and a lot of the perceptions that people have regarding this issue. Bill McKeever is founder of Mormonism Research Ministry based in Draper, Utah, and he's author of several books, including In Their Own Words, a collection of Mormon quotations, and Mormonism 101. Bill, it's always a pleasure. Hope we figure this one out someday. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. Cheryl Magnus joins us on the other side of the break. She has written a column for The Federalist titled, Don't Just Eat Your Way Through Thanksgiving, Practice These Five Things Instead. We'll get some tips for celebrating Thanksgiving. week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we move farther into Luke's gospel with Simeon, Anna, and home. 
boy Jesus in the temple, Jesus prepares the way. Bear fruits and baptism of Jesus. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for the word of the Lord endures forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Making Disciples for Life. Across the nation, students are back in school in over 1,800 schools serving children in early childhood through high school. Students are thriving in programs of excellence in a safe, caring Christian environment taught by dedicated teachers. To find a school in your community, visit lcms.org schools. Connect today for information about a Lutheran school for the children in your family at lcms.org schools. Essential Exercise for the Christian Mind. You're listening to Issues Etc. Have you thought about eternal life? When does it begin? What is eternal life? Well, your eternal life does not begin when your body, earthly body, fails and is laid into the grave. It begins, in fact, in the waters of holy baptism where you were tied to the death of Christ and in him you were raised. To learn more about this topic of eternal life, pick up your copy of the November issue of The Lutheran Witness. Visit witness.lsms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now.